Welcome to the Minnesota BeerCast, Minnesota's premier broadcast and podcast of all things craft beer and spirits, and cheese and cigars and coffee cider. and yeah. cider and all of it. Basically. Of it. We haven't done cheese in a while. Yeah. yeah we, we're, uh, you've been really, you've been slacking. Oh, oh, I've been yeah. slacking. Yeah. When's the last That's time exactly, you lighted up uh, a cheese monster? exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're the cheese guy. All right. See how you are. <laughs> cheese and bacon. Well. Make it happen. Everyone's got to have goals. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Of course, you're listening to the Minnesota Beercast. Couple uh, quick plugs to get out of the way uh, before we get into the meat of the show. We are going to be at Shell's Bachfest coming up at the uh, the beginning of next month. That should be fantastic. What's With, the uh, date on that again? You gonna make me look it up right now? I'll look it. You're up. the one in front of a computer. I, all right. I thought maybe you knew. <laughs> I do. It's the beginning of the month. Look it up. I'll put a link in the show notes uh, if you have questions on it. But it's going to be a fun time. I'm looking forward to talking to the, uh, the the Marty family, talking about the history of shells, what it is they're doing, what makes them special, uh, and everything involved in that. It's a phenomenal event. If you've never been there, I would encourage you to go. March 3rd. March Saturday, 3rd. March 3rd. Absolutely. Hopefully the weather will be a bit cooperative. Yeah, you know. But if it's not, we're still going to be there. You know, that's the fun thing about Bachfest is it doesn't matter. Because it could be could be as cold as possible. There's plenty of beer on hand. There's plenty of food. Uh, the crowds are are phenomenal. They've got bonfires all over the brewery. Uh, it is a a sight to behold if you've never been to Shells before. It's up on top of the River Bluff. Uh, I would highly encourage uh, you to go and have a good time. And if yep. you find us there, buy me a beer. Yeah, <laughs> do that. I'm not going to buy him a beer, so somebody should. Uh, yeah, maybe you'll bring the cheese. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's get into the meat of the show. Like I said earlier, we are joined by Pete from Town Hall, as well as Jared and Kevin from Boom Island. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi, yeah, thanks doing? for having us. Yeah, we were reminiscing before we uh, we started. Pete, you were on the very first show that we did here, like I don't know, three years ago now. It, it, it's three years. Yeah, I feel older. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm we sure all do. I look older. Yeah, <laughs> little, little over three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you very much. Absolutely, man. We uh, you've got a lot going on at Town Hall, uh, specifically Barrel Age Week. Let's let's get into it. Tell us uh, tell us about Barrel Age Week coming up. Uh, Barrel Age Week starts well. Uh, it really starts Sunday uh, mm-hmm. when we sell growlers. Um, we over over the course of time we've uh, got a process in buying growlers uh, for Barrel Age Week just because they are limited. And we started doing them first come first serve, and and it inevitably ticked some people off. <laughs> thought that they were first, and and uh, they may have been, but it was difficult to number them. Right. Um, so on Sunday, uh, we open up at nine thirty to sell growlers. Um, we will uh, feed you a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. give you a few tastes of some of the barrel aged beers while you stand in line, um, and then you have the ability to buy all of the beers within growlers until they are gone. Um, and then Monday through Saturday, uh, we release several of the beers each day. Uh, Monday being um, what the brewers are now calling the brewers, uh, man, I don't I don't know the exact. The Star Barrel? The, well, the Star Barrel will be released. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be an the additional. The Barrel Crew Selection. The right. Barrel Crew Selection. And yeah. uh, that's the first year that we've done that. And it's the beers that that are their favorite of the 13. Nice. Um, and that Star Barrel, I have not tasted it yet. They're, they're very secretive back there. And, uh, 
Uh, I, in fact, at the at the media thing on Tuesday was the first time I had tried uh, the strawberry stave, mm-hmm. and I man, I really really like that. There's uh, some some complex flavors going on. In yeah, there. I, I I I love the fact that you can you can sit with it for a course of time, mm-hmm. um, and and half hour to an hour, and it's going to change the taste over that course of time, and. And I think that's that's really neat, and, and pretty much every single one of the, one of these beers is like that. Yeah, because they're going to come off the the tap a little bit cool, um, but then as you and this is a beer, all these beers are beers you should get to know. They're not they're not <laughs> you're going to want to engage Either do yourself. that or you just shoot them. Right. <laughs> well, you could do that too, but but these it's are all. But like I said, there's, there's complex flavors going on in every single one of these beers and and if you allow it to warm up and kind of take that that walk with with these beers you're gonna not just enjoy one beer but you're gonna enjoy several beers as it warms up and the different flavors come right out. so there's there's uh several new beers that that are here and then uh the mainstays that we've been doing for years mm-hmm. um manhattan reserve czar jack uh, Foolish Angel. Well, let's take a little walk down Remy Lane for folks that aren't familiar with, um, you know, like Foolish Angel. Okay. Um, tell us about that beer. Uh, Foolish Angel is a quadruple, a Belgian quadruple, um, and it is aged in a bourbon barrel. And I can tell you in the past, um, a lot of the names came from the types of whiskey or, um, or wine mm-hmm. that uh, we aged uh, the beer in some mm-hmm. of the barrels that they came from. Um, we have gone away from that in that uh, uh, we have found other relationships that we that we've covet, mm-hmm. and uh, we are finding uh, different barrels. So because of the brand Foolish Angel, um, the name has caught on, and we've been doing it for several years. So we haven't changed the name, mm-hmm. uh, but it, but. We're, we're mentioning it as a more of a generic barrel now, sure, uh, for a variety of reasons, sure. But you can the the first one was in a Angel's Envy barrel, and that that's the name. Um, it's it's to me it's like a Tootsie Roll lollipop. Uh, <laughs> that quadruple is is super sweet, and the barrel gives it this really nougat uh, caramel taste that is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite of the uh, the barrels? Of course, some of these you haven't said you haven't tasted right. yet, like the Star Barrel. Uh, but of of the ones that you have uh, had, maybe a, a nip or two off of, what's uh, what's the one you're most looking forward to having a few glasses of next? Um, week? Well, I'd, you had it on Tuesday. Uh, Et Wee is is probably my favorite every year, and this is the best one I've ever had. And it it is fantastic. It's super complex. Um, it's got, it's got tastes in it that I have, I've not tasted. I've tasted them in whiskey before, mm-hmm. um, but I have not tasted in this beer. Um, I, I think we I think the brewers are doing a few different things as they've learned the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is 16, 17 years and Mike is consistently learning new stuff every year. Um, and I think he, he, well, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he can, he's not here. He had his opportunity to show up today. <laughs> he did have an opportunity, That's right. so I speak for him, I guess. Um, he's he's found something that's bringing out some um, uh, cellar tastes yeah. in the beer, and and I think it's fantastic. And as a whiskey fan, it 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 it's uh, make it makes my day. And from what I've been told. 
the star barrel, uh, the trace has got the same taste in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a single barrel. So in, traditionally, um, as the beers get more um, popular, we want to make more of them. It makes and, sense. And we do some blending. And he came across a single barrel of, of that that beer and liked it so much he didn't want to blend it into the batch. And that's what became the star barrel. And that's got that similar taste from what I understand. I have not tasted that yet. What is the uh, what is the taste that we're talking about? Are we allowed to get specific into into the secrets with, with you know, our hoops here? The the one the one thing that uh, I, I, I don't I don't think he wanted to share the name of which I've forgotten when he shared it with me. So, uh, but it, it's basically a seller. The reason why he didn't want to say it is is because it doesn't sound really good, and it's it's like that musty cellar, mm-hmm. leathery yeah. uh, taste. Um, Which is not necessarily undesirable. It's, it's it sounds pretty awesome, right? To me, actually. Right. <laughs> right. It's a, it's it's almost like a tobacco-y. Oh, that's uh, that's a desirable flavor. I mean, in in many cases, hi- highly desirable. Headed in the very good direction. Yeah. <laughs> I was a well way back in the day. I don't do this anymore, but I was a red man chewer. Oh man! So I get that uh, red man. Does it bring you back? I, oh. <laughs> yeah. I, used to, I was a catcher. Oh, nice! And my parents in the stand. I was young, and I used to <laughs> spit in between my guard. I'd be dripping off. I feel bad. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if my parents knew what that black stuff was. Oh, off the yeah. Mask. No, I was knew. always more of a big league chew kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was good too. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't found a beer though that really encapsulates oh, that you can and find brings them. me back <laughs> to that pink bubblegum flavor. Yeah, I never, I never did the. Uh, Never did the chewing tobacco. I did uh, some snuff every once in a while. I get like yeah. some of the, that shortcut, like Copenhagen black and stuff like that. Throw throw some of that in there. That stuff make you hug the toilet at the end. Of the <laughs> yeah, if you weren't careful. <laughs> yeah, if you weren't careful, it would it would come up and bite you yeah. a little bit. It's all about timing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's true. Speaking well, we, of timing, uh, we uh, we are out of time this segment, so we will continue uh, more conversations with with Town Hall, Boom Island, and uh, lawyer extraordinaire Jeff O'Brien joining us a little later in the show on the Minnesota Beercast. Stick around. I did not have enough time during that break to book my room for uh, Bachfest. Oh, so you're gonna have to sleep on my couch. Pretty tight. Are you staying the night down there? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm asking my it. wife and see if I'm allowed. I'm looking at it. <laughs> I'm looking at it. I want to. I want to. I want to do this right. It's a fun town, man. Uh, can't say enough about New Ulm and St. Peter in that area. Uh, that's actually where we spent our honeymoon, me and my wife, a long time ago. How romantic. Yeah. It was, uh, you know. It's better some, than mine. Some people go to Bahamas. We spent January in New Ulm. We went to Bush Gardens. Yeah? Yeah. See? With like 12 other people. Sounds... Super romantic. <laughs> <laughs> we were all hung over and got sick on the first ride we, ro- we rode. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was not a good day. That sounds awesome. <laughs> They're memories. They're memories. That's right. Right on. Well, we are we are here. We are back. We are talking, of course, with Pete from Town Hall Brewery, uh, Kevin and Jared from Boom Island. We're talking barrels. We're talking Barrel Age Week. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the creek and the collusion with uh, Kevin and Jared coming up. Uh, but we kind of left off uh, in the middle of uh, our barrel conversation with Pete. Um, we, uh, we had kind of... Uh, Talked about what Pete is looking forward to most. Um, I was 
hoping Hoops is going to come and talk a little about the, the brewing process, but maybe you can enlighten us a little bit. Uh, Pete, what is the, the one thing you've learned or Hoops has learned? And maybe he doesn't share enough with you for you to answer this question well, but in 17 years, you guys aren't the, the new kids in the block anymore. What, uh, what's been the biggest lesson in, in making these beers? Well, I, I think the biggest lesson is freshness of the barrel. And your barrel is a is an ingredient, and that, mm-hmm. that's for certain. And um, and the one thing, and it's not just because we enjoy going to Kentucky, um, <laughs> but it doesn't we, hurt, right? We go down. We're we're going down there twice a year now, and the big benefit of that is we know we're getting fresh barrels, mm-hmm. and and we bring them back, and we inspect them when we get back, and and they're fresh. Um, and I, I don't. You'd have to ask him at some point, but I don't think we've ever had a problem with fresh barrels. And and I sat on a on a brief panel um, a couple weeks ago, and that was it. If they were talking about if they got they didn't get fre- a fresh barrel, if they didn't didn't notice that it was fresh when they popped it and opened it up, that they would discard it. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I don't. We don't have that problem. Yeah. Well, because a lot of a lot of people now are are going through brokerages to get these right. barrels, right? Right. And so you're kind of, you know, buyer beware. You get these barrels, and if it's not in in solid condition, you're kind of SOL. Right. So uh, you've got a choice there where do I want to roll the dice and see if I get something quality back, or do I want to, you know, put product in that's money into this barrel and see, see what comes out. Right. And I, the one thing that is a benefit for us is that we're small. Mm-hmm. And um, we're not looking for 200 barrels. And um, I, you know, our program started. It was started with one barrel. Yeah. Uh, it was a back in the day. It was a Jack Daniels barrel. How did uh, the first barrel come to be at Town Hall? Brewery? The the first barrel arrived by a truck, but it was freshly, from what we understand, was fresh freshly uh, emptied. Yeah, and put on a truck, and then and then it was received. The first the first um, now I've gotten several stories, and they're they're very similar. So I'm sure there's a, it's a little <laughs> off, but. Um, Scott Scott Krebsbach mm-hmm. uh, used to he was an assistant brewer back in the day, and uh, he left and he became the head brewer at Great Waters, and then he went to Olmagang, and then he moved back to Wisconsin. He's from Wisconsin. He ran a bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and a buddy owned a bar, and then he was leaving that, and he called me up and said he wanted to move back to Minnesota. And he, this was in 2010, and he became uh, the general manager of Town Hall Tap. So when he was an assistant brewer, he was at a talk in Portland, and they were talking about barrel-aged beer. Um, the only one I really remembered doing stuff was Goose Island back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, they talked about it, and he talked with Mike at the time, and they said, let's do this. So they uh, called Jack Daniels, said, hey, we'd like a barrel. They said, okay, we'll ship it to you. Right. And they shipped it to us, and they put uh, they put our Imperial Stout, which is called Old Jack Frost, in it. And they aged it. I I wouldn't know, but right, roughly eight months to a year. Mm-hmm. And that was the beer that we entered in the experimental category on GABF, and it won a gold medal. Yeah. So that was the that was the start of our barrel program. You know, you're on the right track. Yeah. <laughs> and it was aged. Um, it was it was lucky we didn't have faulty plumbing at the time but it was aged under the bathrooms at the, at the brew pub and uh 
<laughs> for the longest time, it was uh, that's where our barrels resided. Uh, we also had a very small closet. Yeah, it it might have been in this closet. Uh, it had a, we had a barrel closet that fit one, two, three. I think it fits six barrels in it. It's a big closet. Yeah, it was tall. So we'd stack them. <laughs> nice. Um, and then maybe we got ten. I, he'd, he'd be able to tell you, but ten to twenty in that other area. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have the capability of maybe sixty barrels of the clean barrels of the uh, bourbon barrel and wine barrel, not non-sour. Barrels. That's a, that's a pretty good size allotment, right? So what uh, what do you guys do with the barrels when you're done with them? Uh, we make really nice staves for for barrel age week for the platters. <laughs> right. That's one. Um, we sell them uh, afterwards for for to homebrewer uh, clubs mm-hmm. uh, and to anyone else who wants to to wants a barrel. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they're going to put product in it or whether they're going to renovate it and put it as a piece of furniture or a table. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a regular. His name's Jerry. Um, who's one of the nicest people I've ever met. He loves to refurbish them. Uh, oh, really? He buys them and he gives them to his friends. Um, got to be friends I, with Jerry. I've got three or four of them. They're they're beautiful. Yeah. And he'll strip he'll strip them down. He'll paint the the um, what do they call them the rungs the the metal right uh, things <laughs> the hoops them, the hoops and uh, I've, they're fantastic. Uh, we we smoke food with them. Oh, um, we've got yeah. a lot of barrels. Hey, we, we, we try to find homes for them. That's, smoking food sounds like the best use yep. of, of all the ones you went through. Speaking of food, you guys have—I um, think it might be sold out—but you've got uh, a beer dinner going, right? Yeah, the the barrel aged dinner is generally on Tuesday of barrel aged week. It is sold out. It it's it. I want to expand it. No, most most of the other people do not. Oh, yeah, um, it sells out. I think too quickly. It doesn't allow new people to come in and and do it. And it is uh, we have a list of past um, uh, people that have done it, mm-hmm. eaten it, and it generally sells out once we email it to that list. And yeah. it we do it in a small room. Um, I think we might be able to expand it and double the size. So we sell twenty eight tickets to it. Wow. Um, so that's Tuesday. Is there is there a possibility of, because I'm a, a big sucker for food and, and beer, obviously, but I've been, I've been you know, singing the praises of that combination here for quite a while. Um, is there a possibility of maybe doing like a dinner at one of the, the satellite locations to when you expand things? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I, I, uh, Town Hall Lanes has got the biggest area mm-hmm. uh, for people, and uh, I think I think it would be great. And what what's great about the satellite places is that they're in neighborhoods and these people when we first opened them they didn't know who town hall was mm-hmm. and um it, it's it's kind of a curse of again the brew pubs um and that we can't distribute and they don't learn of our products right uh but when we get there they they learn of our products and uh we can throw them a bone and i think with today's uh laws with and you don't want to be drinking and driving. Some right. people like to stay in their neighborhood and yeah. enjoy what they can get downtown. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Um, we're going to come up on a break here real quick. Uh, but before we do, you know, quickly mentioned the, the satellite locations. Run down the, the establishments you, you do own. Uh, so if, if folks aren't able to get to Town Hall for Barrel Age Week, they can try to experience Town Hall products elsewhere. Uh, Town Hall Tap, which is on 48th and Chicago in South Minneapolis, uh, opened in 2010. 
Uh, it is a small, what we consider kind of our tap room. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, it only has uh, wine and beer. Uh, hopefully in 2018, we will add distilled spirits as well. Um, Town Hall Lanes opened in 2013. It is the old uh, Sky Lanes Bowl. Awesome spot. Um, it is uh, on 50th Avenue South and 30, uh, 34th Avenue South and 50th Street. Um, and it's got 10 lanes of bowling, full full bar, um, and full kitchen. And then this past year in 2017, we opened Town Hall Station in Edina on Valley View Road and Wooddale. Yeah, we've got a, a show in the archives. We were there not mm-hmm. that long ago. I yeah, guess it was after uh, they opened. Yeah, in the, in the, I think it was in the fall, late, yeah. late summer. I was really happy you came down to my neck of the woods. <laughs> nice to see you in the Southwest. Yeah, now we just need a spot over in St. Paul, and you'll be good. I just got a request on a spot in Buffalo, Minnesota. Oh, God. Um, That's wow. the wrong nice. direction. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> a hike. <laughs> well, we are, we are up against another break. You're listening to the Minnesota Beer Cast on AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Minnesota Beer Cast on Twin Cities News Talk AM eleven thirty. Hey, if you uh, if you'd like the Minnesota Beer Cast to come out to your place, you got an event or a release or something that you'd like to help promote on the show, hit us up, shoot us a message. You can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter, uh, or you can go to Minnesota or MinnesotaBeerCast.com. Contact information is available there. We love taking the show out on the road. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the next one uh, is, well, of course, we talked about Bachfest, but uh, big news. I don't know if I even told you yet, Andrew. I think we talked about it a little bit, but uh, we're going to do St. Patrick's Day uh, in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, we did talk about that. Cool. So we're going to uh, go out there. We're going to talk to uh, the folks at the, the fine brewery in Buffalo, uh, Hayes Public House. We're going to hang I've out there. I've never been there. Well, it's, there's a first time for everything. I'll have to alert our uh, morning show producer, Sam. Yeah. That we're going to be in her neck of the woods. I guess she can drive us home. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Should be a good time. Get your tickets for that. We're going to hang out. I think we'll probably do something in the evening time. It's probably going to be closer to five or six when we uh, get our act together. So we should, be, uh, we should be ready to rock and roll by that point. That'll be a lot of fun. March is shaping up to be a pretty fun month. Absolutely. Bachfest, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Those are the two things. The Ides. There's <laughs> Ides of March. When is that? Well, let's uh, let's get into the uh, th- with the folks from Boom Island Brew. We've got Kevin and we've got Jared here. How are you guys doing? Great. Thanks. Doing well. Yeah, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. You guys have got a couple new beers to talk about. We figured we'd have you on and, uh, and put you through the paces. What's, uh, what's the latest one that you guys have that we're drinking here? The next one uh, that we have coming out, mm-hmm. which is on Friday, right, boss? Yeah. yeah Friday well, the 23rd. Friday the 23rd. We're releasing this one next Friday, um, next week, uh, depending on- A week from when you're hearing this on the radio or whenever you catch the podcast. three cousins four times removed. <laughs> um, so anyhow, we've got Collusion, mm-hmm. which is um, it, it's a Russian imperial stout, and it's a collaboration with um, a buddy of mine in Belgium just outside of the city of Ghent. Mm-hmm. Um, Taste Menhout. Is his name? Mm-hmm. Is he orange? He he is orange. <laughs> yeah. He's very orange, but he does have also the kind of the sunglass goggle suntan line. Yeah, going on. Perfect. But anyhow, Taste is a great guy. He's he's a younger Belgian brewer. Yeah, 
we've become good friends over the last six or seven years that uh, that I've known Tace, and um, he he's he's a younger guy. So you know, typically the Belgian brewers that I know and that I've come into contact with, a small farmhouse kind of family owned operations, um, they they stick really true to tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tace is a younger guy, and he takes a lot of inspiration from the American craft brew scene. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, who knows? <laughs> it makes him unique over there, though. Right? So, uh, so anyhow, he's got he, he's got IPAs. He's got uh, he does do the triple and the double and uh, you know your traditional Abbey style beers. But he also mm-hmm. he also does break free from his from his uh, you know from those restraints and kind of get a little experimental. So when I had a chat with him on our last trip uh, a year ago, we take a we take a tour group to mm-hmm. Belgium every April, and um, the last time around uh, we took uh, we took the group over to Tasis Place, and he proposed the idea, "Hey, why don't we do a collaboration?" And so I'm kind of scratching my head and thinking, as a it's kind of a marketing gimmicky sort of thing to do a collaboration and it can it's be. kind of uh but you know what for the right reasons is worth it mm-hmm. so I say, absolutely let's do it and so we we bounced ideas back and forth and we ended up with uh he, he wanted to brew a beer that he's never brewed before and i had but not perfect not his commercial side mm-hmm. which was russian imperial stout and um so he he came up with a recipe he tossed me the idea of getting some inspiration coming from both, you know, the the uh, the new world and the old world. And so I tossed out, hey, there's a big happening coffee scene going in uh, Minneapolis right now. Why don't we do some Minneapolis roasted, really, really fresh roasted coffee and then Belgian chocolate. There you go. So those are our specialty ingredients. The beer named Collusion because, of course, it's Russian Imperial Stout. The Russians got a little involved in that one. <laughs> um, it rings in just a little bit above 11%. Um, and so we're going to be releasing that one. When is the, it? The Russians are influencing my beer consumption? <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> what aren't they influencing these days? <laughs> well, but, it's, yeah. it's, it's fun. It's tongue-in-cheek. But are, are you worried about... Uh, you know, of offending half of the the population with the with a tongue and cheek beer name, or are you guys just you having fun? You know that we did have one Instagram response that was absolute. The guy just went. Um, let's see how to edit this down off he, the wall. He went yeah, completely was... berserk off the wall. Yeah, yeah. and never <laughs> mentioned beer in his. 18 paragraph response <laughs> to the mentioned. Instagram. That sounds like I gotta, I gotta find this. He might, he might be a Russian agent. You never know. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned more about uh, Hillary Clinton's foundation oh. and the lack of uh, charitable uh, it's, it's, donations. It's just than beer. The beer. It's just fun. It's just beer. Yeah. Our people get so worked up. How do you come across? A beer Instagram, if that's what you're looking for. Other than it was, you just search on. It was a hashtag sort of thing, yeah. and I think it came up as hashtag collusion. You probably, or you probably didn't even know you were talking about beer. <laughs> Perhaps not. Yeah, yeah, it did very oh, well. Maybe yeah. the case. But the thing is, it all it all rang down, and then it was it had nothing beer related, alcohol related, God. release related. There was probably some alcohol related. <laughs> there was alcohol related on one end of that conversation. <laughs> Social media is a tricky thing, though, man. I mean, you, you know, you don't want to I guess it depends on on your perspective, but you know, there's there's such a thing as as brand awareness and and being, you know, as 
not necessarily generic, but as authentic and as inoffensive as you can be on on bringing your brand forward, right? And so if you if you only got one guy who doesn't realize that this is just a beer, it's just a name, it's just fun. I think you I think you're batting pretty good average there. <laughs> yeah, I got to get That is a that is a pretty epic comment, I got to say though. I just I just got done reading it. Did you see that? <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah. I don't think he knows it's it, uh, that you, your post or is about beer. <laughs> he doesn't even realize it's about beer. But you know what? I I I've got to give kudos to my wife who said um, no, we do not respond to that sort of comment mm-hmm. on social media. Mm-hmm. Just let it go. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's nothing to be gained <laughs> from engaging. Yeah, absolutely. There's. Yeah. But I think there's so much to be gained because you just unless you're looking you for entertainment. Uh, you know, I don't know. I've I've got friends, uh, family, uh, people who I know very well who engage in you know back and forth rhetoric and in politics and stuff on social media and and I I've yet to encounter any of them that have had their mind changed on their on their point of view. So, you know, I steer clear of it. I'd rather have fun. I'd rather share you just pictures need to of, argue with them harder. No. I'm going to I'm going to stick to pictures of my beer, my bacon and my kid. That's that's pretty much what I relegate my social media to these days. Hey, Schmitty, anytime the Russians get involved in an imperial stout, it's not a big problem. Right. <laughs> I think it always turns out on the good side. The, those are the old Russians, too. <laughs> See, what you should have done was let the individual know that that wasn't your actual post. It was just fake news. Yeah, it was oh, a troll. Uh, it was a troll. <laughs> I was, was going to say we should reply and say, what do you think? This is fake beer? <laughs> exactly. Ooh, hashtag fake beer. <laughs> well, you mentioned some of the coffee uh, and the, the chocolate in this beer. Let's let's talk about the coffee a little bit, because that's a pretty prominent flavor. Yeah, that coffee. It's a Sumatra. Uh, med- mild, you know. This is the interesting thing. When uh, Taste Manhout, when he sent me over the recipe, mm-hmm. it was all in. It was all in kilograms, <laughs> hectoliters, <laughs> grams. I had to just switch it all not only to gallons and say, "Hey, Taste, we're speaking in in gallons over here. We got to speak American. Right. How about some?" Barrels, which is 31 gallons of all. Right. Where would we come up with that? Well, there is probably a beautiful story with that, which I could, it would kill. You said 10 minutes we have to kill? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Anyhow, so I go through all of the um, all of the conversions, right. get it all switched over. And then I look, and it comes down to uh, his coffee roast, which mm-hmm. is, uh, he said it's a, it's a Sumatra, but mild Okay. Roast. So is it? It's a lighter roast on the Sumatra than it's traditionally done. I have no idea. I'm not a coffee sommelier. I, so I got I got Marty from uh, Dunn Brothers North Loop to come in. He's like, oh, it's a it's a mild Sumatra. Okay, yeah, exactly. That's how they describe that in Europe. I I know exactly what he's talking about. We'll we'll roast it up, and we'll crush it, and we'll bring it right over to your specs the morning of the brew. And it turned out great. That's awesome. So do you do it on, on the hot side or the cold side? This was post-boil. It was post. Uh, it was after the chilling but pre-fermentation. And it sat in there for, I think it's like two weeks. Two weeks, roughly. Yeah. What's the, what's the longest you would leave coffee in a beer? Are you worried about getting any, I guess, off flavors or, or over concentration? You know, I was worried about that and also taste was as well. Uh, the brewer in, in Belgium, my buddy. And so um, he he actually had had uh, resanitized his whole thing, but uh, what do you think, Pete? 
I, uh, I it's it's a possibility. Uh, if you got, uh, I know we've done some cold press coffee. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they've got that. I, you're speaking to the wrong guy at Town Hall. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I know we're cold pressing coffee. I know they're very diligent in making sure that that's not going to happen. I so you're you're putting whole well, bean. No, it's not whole bean. It, it was really coarse ground. Okay. And, and so what we did is we left it in there for two weeks. But also Marty was reassuring in the fact that he said that. He said, basically, it's a, it's a antimicrobial okay. mm-hmm. um, entity which, which kind of makes sense. to begin with. I, I guess it makes sense from something I heard in the past. No, but. it doesn't mean coffee sits on the shelves for right. sometimes a couple of years. Right. So it makes sense yeah. it would be, you know, antimicrobial. They like, roast the like hops, yeah. crap out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so as far as throwing it in the beer, we put it in, left it for two weeks, and you know what? We got some amazing extraction. I mean, I, the, the thing tastes like a cold press, 11.5% really coffee. Yeah. There you go. Well, let's uh, let's hit another break here. We're going to come back with the last segment of the Minnesota BeerCast. Uh, you're listening on AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. Welcome back to the Minnesota BeerCast final segment for this edition. Been a lot of fun. Very tasty, very tasty edition. A delicious yeah, edition. A little Russian. Kind of a Russian edition, though. I want some pierogies now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a vodka chaser. It's not a bad idea. Has anybody done that? Anybody ever done that? A Russian imperial style with a with some Russian vodka? Is that a thing? Uh, that you would be fortifying your brew at that. I like it. I don't think that's legal. What? Andy, I did a vodka chaser just before I came in. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're putting in your pocket what? as they came off the elevator. I see how it is. We don't have to, I mean, we don't have to tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> legal. Legal schmeagal. Speaking of legal, we are joined by a friend of the show, lawyer extraordinaire, Jeffrey O'Brien. Hey, guys. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Not too bad. Thanks for calling in, man. Appreciate it. No problem. So you're you're making headlines uh, again, friend of the show, Jeff O'Brien, Lori Extraordinaire. Uh, you've got uh, a client that uh, is being, I guess, maligned in in St. Paul, and I figured we'd bring you on to talk about it, man. Walk us through uh, what's happening. Well, yeah, I would say he's being maligned. So the, the situation is, so I, besides representing you know a lot of breweries and distilleries and cideries, I, I do have a good number of bar and restaurant clients. So we're dealing with the, in the retail tier. And um, this is a bar called El Alamo. They're on the west side of St. Paul and Robert Street. And the city of St. Paul, in terms of their, their license structure, they have a, a, a penalty, a matrix penalty system based on the number of violations in a particular period of time. And El Alamo had had a, they were on a second violation. Um, they literally got a dose violation alleging a number of different things, anything from a video camera not being turned the right way to a door being open. Mm-hmm. Okay? And we got a note. We, we get a notice of this is a second violation. Typically, it's a thousand dollar fine. We get a notice from the Department of Safety and Inspections that they are going to seek an upward departure from the matrix penalties and look for the third penalty in the in the line in the chain, which would be a two thousand dollar fine and a ten day suspension. Mm-hmm. And the way the law works is when the, when the city proposes something like that, we can we can we can appeal if we dispute the the facts of the case 
we can request a, an administrative hearing in front of an administrative law judge. <coughs> excuse me. And if we dispute the penalty, we can go in front of the city council. We can request a public hearing and, and go in front of the city council. So we had a hearing in front of the administrative law judge, and unfortunately, the, judge, the, the administrative law judge came down in favor of the city in terms of the upward departure. We were contending that we thought that the proper penalty was the $1,000 fine. Mm-hmm. So we went into a public hearing uh, a week ago and was were met by a good number of folks uh, representing the the neighborhood. I think it was the West Side Community Organization is the neighborhood group around there. Mm-hmm. And they made a, they, a, a, a vociferous appeal to the city council to go above and beyond what the, the department had already um, recommended as the penalty and instead revoke El Alamo's license. Hmm. And the problem that had, and my client was already frustrated. There had been a, there had been a, a shooting at the bar in, in January, and so my client was was pretty frustrated with how things are going in the community. And is already looking to to sell the business, but our issue was this: is that when the when the city of St. Paul revokes a liquor license like that, there's a provision in their code. They call it the kind of call it their the, they call they refer to their scorched earth provision. <laughs> you can't issue another uh, license to that location for 15 years. Wow, so that, that tends to hurt the ability to to sell and, and, and put a different concept in there. When even a restaurant, I mean, no, in this day and age, no restaurant's going to be able to survive without selling liquor. So no. it's 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 a we, we worked very hard to try behind the scenes to try to convince the city to not go the revocation route, even going so far as to offer to voluntarily surrender the license. Yeah. So they wouldn't have it as a term of revocation. And, and Voluntarily so- surrendering it would enable you to sell it, would enable your client to, to sell it and have the the and buyer still be eligible to, to have a the license. Buyer, the buyer could, apo- could apply for a new license for the location for whatever concept they wanted to put in there. Right. And unfortunately, you know, the, the, the council person who represents the area, Rebecca Naker, is was a past board member of the neighborhood organization. So, um, you know, she, she did what they wanted her to do and pushed for revocation. And yesterday afternoon, the city council voted unanimously to revoke the license of El Alamo. So what, what kind of recourse does your client have at this point, Jeff? I mean, they, they were dinged for a violation they they got an upwards movement and then that turned into hey guess what we're going to take away your livelihood and any ability for you to sell the business and and escape with you know any any sort of of money whatsoever we're just gonna like you said scorch the earth what kind of recourse do you have at this point well we're looking at a couple different options one option is um, to look at whether or not the city council abuses discretion in doing what we an upward upward departure from the matrix penalties mm-hmm. and what because it, the, the test is that you know when when they were when they were trying to when the when the the city was trying to go for the the one upward departure at the hearing they had to prove their their case by a preponderance of the evidence that when they go the further upward as they did and going above and beyond the ALJ's uh, findings they have to have substantial and compelling evidence. And there was a little bit of a blurred line that night at the hearing. There was a lot of testimony about the second incident, the second shooting, that had nothing to, that was not even addressed during the, um, the you know, the hearing. Because one thing, a shooting happens, in, you know, inside or outside your bar, or outside your bar, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you violated the condition of your license. Right. Okay? 
And so, you know, the, so you know, when when something like that happens, then that's when the cops come in and they they pull the video footage and look at everything, and then the city finds, well, well, you've got this camera out of position, or this was one of the arguments at the original hearing. They were claiming that we we didn't have an entertainment license to have dancing, but someone was swinging <laughs> their hips at a table, and so that was the patron dancing that wasn't allowed. That one I actually got overturned at the hearing. Uh, the judge found our way because they had five different definitions of dancing. At the at the hearing from the different witnesses, also known as the the Kevin Bacon footloose provision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so yeah, so um, you know, so um, what happens now? Well, I'm dancing over here. <laughs> don't right tell, don't tell anybody, yeah, Kevin. Well. under the table. By the way, so we're gonna we're gonna, we're looking at at legal options. Um, my client is going to continue to try to market the property for sale to see what I mean to see if what if there's anybody that would want to do something there with it, something different other than a bar or restaurant. Um, we'll have to see what what kind of value that gets, fetches, and we're also looking at whether or not this was essentially a condemnation of the property. If the only thing the property can be used for is a bar or restaurant, and they take away your ability to have a liquor license, that tends to affect the value of your property. So we're we're, we're exploring all options right now. But one thing is, is for certain is we're not just going to sit down, roll over, and let them do what they did. So what what is the danger of this happening to uh, other law, uh, bars, retailers in, in St. Paul going from uh, a second violation to having their livelihood and, and employment in the neighborhood it, it, taken away? It, it's an incredibly high risk. I mean, I have another client right now um, that's over on University in Snelling that sits right off, you know, across the street from where the soccer stadium is, and they keep getting these what I would refer to as ticky-tack violations to the point where they're up to their, you know, to, to facing revocation. The, the city is, you know, I, if, I, if I could make a guess, I think, you know, if, if you guys recall, when, when the whole craft uh, beverage uh, movement kind of sprung to, to new life here in Minnesota after the, the taproom law, Minneapolis jumped out way in front, and that's why we have all the breweries that we do in Northeast and the North Loop, and... St. Paul took a little bit longer getting growler ordinances, getting, you know, allowing breweries in industrial areas. It took a, lo- a little longer to fix their ordinances. But with Minneapolis, obviously, with, with Mayor Archie Ryback, moved very fast and wanted to establish that as part of Minneapolis's overall culture. I would agree and with think, that. And I think St. Paul right now is feeling a little bit like, uh, a little bit left out. They've missed, you know, they, they, they were behind the curve. They missed the boat a little bit. And they want to somehow, um, they, they see in their mind, being more like these, you know, like Minneapolis with this craft culture. You know, we met with when, with, when I met with the owner of El Alamo in the department, they kept talking about Ward 6 as if that was their model for their concept. I'm like, you're not going to turn every independent bar in, in St. Paul into a Ward 6, and all of a sudden you're now craft friendly. Not happening. So I think that it's um, myopic uh, planning on their part, and I think that it's part of it, and I'll be blunt. You've got a city council full of community activists and organizers instead of business people, so they do dumb things. Well, and it sets a weird precedent. Now, all of a sudden, if you're a bar or you know a tap room, and 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 in the area, the community around you starts to see a spike in crime, are, are you going to have to worry that the city council is going to suddenly blame you? That's exactly right. And I was in the quote in the Pioneer Press yesterday, and I asked the city attorney that last week. I said, "So when the next shooting happens after they close the bar, which business is getting the blame now?" Right. Right. I mean, there's obviously issues in the community that the city doesn't want to address or won't let the police enforce the laws, and instead they're going to take a business owner and 
on, on you know who doesn't you know doesn't live in this area isn't a voter a constituent of the council member so why not make that the scapegoat it's a it's a bizarre situation and uh, keep us posted on on I know that you guys are going to you know going to p- try to appeal the decision and try to uh, try to fight it keep us posted as to how it plays out okay we'll do that thank you lawyer extraordinaire Jeff O'Brien appreciate you calling in thanks guys. All right. I think that is going to do it for this episode of the Minnesota Beercast. Thanks to lawyer extraordinaire Jeff O'Brien. Thanks to Pete from Town Hall Brewery. And, of course, thanks to Jared and Kevin from Boom Island. Tasty beers you guys brought. Thank you so much. We will see you next time. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a giant.